the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure. Today is Friday, July the 31st, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on July 31st, 1777, during the Revolutionary War, Marcus Lafayette, he was a 19-year-old French kid. He was a nobleman, but he was a child. No, not a child, but he was a teenager. George Washington knew of him and knew of his training and trusted him because Lafayette was a real friend of the American Revolution. So he brought him here to America and made him the major general in the American Continental Army today, 1777. That was a pivotal point in the whole military effort of our Continental Army because George Washington admittedly didn't have training in warfare. He he was a smart guy, but he didn't know much about that. But he was smart enough to know to bring people around him that he could trust and that had training in actual warfare. Lafayette was one of those, 19 years old. He made a difference. Today in 1790, the U.S. Patent Office opened. Today in 1954, Pakistan's K2, I think, I think that's the second tallest mountain in the world, isn't it? I think after Everest, I believe it is. Anyway, Pakistan's K2 was conquered as two members of an Italian expedition. They reached the summit. Today, in 1964, American space probe Ranger 7, it reached the moon, transmitting pictures back to Earth before impacting the lunar surface. And today, in 1971, Apollo 15 crew members, David Scott and James Irwin, They became the first astronauts to use a lunar rover on the surface of the moon. i got to tell you a little sidebar to this that people may not know. Um, James Irwin and I became friends, the astronaut, Jim Irwin. We became pretty good friends. In fact, we developed a relationship to the point that um, he and I had a – we were planning to go to Mount Everest with a group of people – or Ararat, uh, Mount Ararat, because he felt that he knew, uh, he had done a lot of study, where there might be remains from Noah's Ark. And I was pretty intrigued with that, because I thought, man, wouldn't that be great to discover and verify and kind of put it in the face of the atheist, you know. Uh, so I was all in on it. I, I don't think my wife ever was all in on that particular trip, but anyway... Before that could happen, Jim died of a heart attack. He lived in Colorado Springs. He just dropped dead one day. But what I wanted to tell you about Irwin and this Apollo 15 crew who used the lunar rover on the surface of the moon, Jim Irwin really loved the Lord. He was really committed. And he took with him on that trip a Bible. And when they got finished running around on the moon in that rover, that lunar rover, 
when they got off and got ready to get back in their spaceship and take off, he left this Bible on the seat of that lunar rover. And as far as we know, I'm sure it's still there. He said, he told me, and he, he told others, he made a speech about it. But he told me, he said, Gary, he said, the, I, I just thought maybe the Soviet Union in those days and China, whomever, when they reach the moon, somebody's going to want to check that out if they're in that vicinity and look at what we did and, you know, how it was made and one thing or another, look at the technical aspect of it. And he said, I just wanted them, when they if they walk up to that lunar uh, rover sitting on the surface of the moon, he said, the first thing I wanted them to see was not the technology, but the Bible, the Word of God. Because he said, it's far more important that Jesus walked on earth than that man walked on the moon. Think about that for a while. I agree. He was a great guy. Today in 2003, the Vatican launched a global campaign against gay marriages, warning Catholic politicians that support of same-sex union unions was gravely immoral and urging non-Catholics to join the offensive. One Catholic who didn't join the cause, <laughs> Joe Biden. But he constantly says he's a devout Catholic. He not only advances abortion, but he also has been fundamentally involved in advancing same-sex marriage. Well, the Catholic Church takes a very different view of that. One year ago, today, at a Democratic debate in Detroit, speaking of Joe Biden, former Vice President Joe Biden, he faced stinging attacks from his younger, diverse rivals. Perhaps the most stinging comments made toward him was from Senator Kamala Harris, who is by many seen as the top choice for Biden, who is going to announce that next week, he said, his vice president um, pick for the race to be president of the United States. So she, if he chooses her, and it, it looks like, I, I mean, I don't have any inside information, but from what I'm reading, people who are close to the process, it looks like he may choose her. I would not be surprised if he chose Susan Rice because she's really vicious. I mean, she is something else. But Kamala Harris is who she is, and she's pretty strong as well. And both are black, and so who knows who he'll choose. But Kamala Harris was one of the most aggressive in attacking him and they were attacking him a year ago today in Detroit over his willingness to work with segregationalists in the Senate during the 1970s. And he did. He did work with them. We'll see how all this plays out. But, boy, I'll tell you, there's a lot going on in our culture today, and there's much at stake. It cannot be overstated how important this next election is, not because of Trump, but maybe because of Biden. He's not your typical moderate Democrat. And if anybody tries to tell you he is, and he will, if he speaks publicly at all, he will try to tell you that, but that isn't true. I got this email this morning. It says, Gary, 
came with a contribution online. It says, Gary, what times we're living in? Boy, I would say so. It says, State Representative Brad Clippert, 14 local churches, held a protest, in quotes, over the governor's closing the churches. It was held at Calvary Chapel's Tri-Cities Amphitheater. It was well attended, very good time of fellowship, expressing the need for the churches to gather as the church is an essential part of God's plan for all believers. Enjoy your program. It's essential that we stay informed and you really help us to be informed. This is from a couple whom I went to high school with a long time ago. Thank you. You're so right. These are unbelievable times in which we live. There is no question about that. Second, uh, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. We live in a climate of destruction today on every front, culturally, politically, certainly spiritually. It's all coming down around us, and yet we can stand strong and we can stand in peace because God gives us his peace. Jesus said, I'm not talking about the peace that the world gives. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not like the world, but my peace. The peace of God passes all human understanding. We can't grasp how people can be peaceful in time of crisis unless we know the Lord personally. Those who are not in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ cannot grasp how people in today's world with coronavirus and all of this stuff that's going on in our culture, they cannot grasp how there are people who are at peace. They think maybe we Christians go into denial. Not at all. In fact, we want to be more informed. We're not in denial. But we simply rest in the peace of Almighty God. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. I want to take a moment to thank you for your support of this ministry. It's um, it's tough to be doing anything nowadays. The, the resistance is there, as you know, and we don't talk about that much, and we're not going to, but thank you for standing with us. <clears throat> thank you for your prayer. Thank you for your financial support. We're paying our bills. We're doing it because of you standing with us. I need your support. I need your help. To those of you who are supporting us, thank you so much. To those of you who are not, but you feel that what we're doing is valuable, please consider, prayerfully consider, becoming a supporter of what we're doing. We are trying to inform as far as what's going on every day. We do this program. It originates every morning live because we're talking about what's happening that day or the night before. And we do this all from a biblical point of view, from Scripture, because that's what it's all about. We have to look at what's going on in our world today through the lens 
of God's Word. So thank you for supporting that effort. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Tucker Carlson said last night on Fox, he said, it's hard to believe what I just showed you. He ran a clip of the funeral for John Lewis, who had passed away. It was on the news all day yesterday. Tucker Carlson ran a clip of some comments that Barack Obama made during the funeral service. After that, he said, it's hard to believe that clip is real, but it is. He said, down to the clawing, fake accent, Mr. Hawaii guy. But he said, take three steps back. And Obama was, he was into this very rare uh, cadence of which he does when he speaks, but uh, he was using a an accent that I hadn't heard. I mean, it's hard to describe. I guess it's <laughs> Tucker Carlson didn't try to explain it, so I won't either. But it was weird. I mean, just the cadence and the sound of his voice. It was it was strange. The Carlson said, "Take three steps back." He said, "Imagine if some greasy politician showed up at your loved one's funeral." started throwing around stupid partisan talking points about Senate procedure. He said, can you imagine that? You would be shocked if that happened. You'd probably walk out. Desecrating a funeral with campaign slogans. What kind of a person would do that? But Democrats in the audience didn't seem offended, Carlson said. He said they didn't blink. They cheered. He said it all seemed normal to them. And why wouldn't it? Political power is their religion. It's not out of the place in a church. It's what they worship. People who will politicize a funeral will do anything, and they're trying to. It's very true. I looked at some of the clips from that funeral yesterday as well, and a part of what Barack Obama said I think bears repeating today just so that you'll know what was said. He's a powerful person. He has a lot of influence, Barack Obama. I'm not completely convinced that Michelle Obama isn't standing in the wings to be his vice president. I could see a situation where he would choose her, and then if he wins the election, he would have achieved his goals. That's just to be president of the United States. You know, this is the third time he's run for president. The two previous times he's pulled out for personal reasons. Either he had 1% of the vote. He was called out on plagiarizing in one case. And I don't know, there's a whole bunch of reasons why he dropped out. But this has kind of been his lifelong dream, much like Hillary Clinton. But I could see him agreeing to some kind of a deal where at the last minute, Michelle Obama would step out and say, you know, I really don't want to do this. I don't want to be in politics, blah, blah, blah. But I will for the country. Joe Biden, if he were to be elected, then he would set aside maybe in a year or two, whatever. Or maybe his health would demand that he did. And Michelle would be the first woman president and a black woman to boot. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying the way things are coming down in America, anything like that could take place. So in that context, former President Obama said yesterday, standing over the casket of John Lewis, in the church that Martin Luther King Jr. used to pastor, he said, Bull Connor, 
may be gone. But today we witnessed with our own eyes police officers kneeling on the necks of black Americans. This is a funeral. I've done many funerals as a pastor in my life. I can't even imagine going there. I understand this has some political aspects and most of the funerals I did didn't have, but boy, this is this is over the line. It's beyond the pale. So here's Barack Obama standing at a pulpit with this casket in front of him and this man's body, and his family is there, of course. He said, Bull Connor may be gone, but today we witnessed with our own eyes police officers kneeling on the necks of black Americans. George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons against peaceful demonstrators. We may no longer have to guess the number of jelly beans in a jar in order to cast a ballot, but even as we sit here, there are those in power who will do their darndest to discourage people from voting by closing polling locations and attacking our voting rights with surgical precision, even undermining our postal service to run up to an election in the run up to an election that's going to be dependent on mail in ballots so people don't get sick. I know this is a celebration of John's life. There are some who might say we shouldn't dwell on such things, but that's why I'm talking about it. John Lewis devoted his time on this earth fighting the very attacks on democracy and what's best for America that we're seeing right now. Wow. If he wanted to plan to be divisive, he couldn't have chosen better words. The segregationist Bill Connor, Bull Connor, he was a Democrat, by the way. He was the city official in Birmingham, Alabama, back in the day, who in the 1960s directed the fire hoses, the attack dogs, that stuff that you see all the time on television. It's horrible. Blacks were marching for voting rights. Bull Connor, a Democrat, ordered the Birmingham city employees to go out there and release attack dogs and turn fire hoses on the blacks who were marching for the right to vote. And he had to bring this up at the funeral. But he never mentioned that Bull Connor was a Democrat. He was one of them. They turned against the civil rights protesters, even children. But to bring up that kind of an ugly and truly, I mean, they talk about systemic racism. That is systemic racism. But it's in the past. And maybe he could have said, look at the progress we've made. But no, he doesn't do that. And Biden isn't capable anymore, cognitively, of talking about anything for more than a minute or two. He mentioned George Wallace. George Wallace was an old-time segregationist. Actually, actually, he could have used him as an example of progress, as they like to say. The progress we've made in our society, but no, he couldn't do that. George Wallace was ultimately shot and paralyzed in an attempted assassination. But he came to denounce his earlier views. He spent the last part of his life. I'm not trying to characterize him as a good guy, but I'm saying he spent the last part of his life in a wheelchair going around telling people how wrong he was about his segregationist views. But we have to ignore the progress and dwell on the ugly past, because we feel, if we're a progressive, that that's more effective. 
Hillary can't let, even let go of the 2016 election she lost. She's still talking about it. She's still analyzing. Four years ago, almost. Why she lost? She lost because America didn't want her. Obama can't let go of the past. Even standing over the body of John Lewis. That's where the progressive is coming from, and God loves them, and God wants to change their lives. But I will tell you, this is a destructive mindset. It's a destructive worldview. It is secular, no matter how much they say they are Christian, and no matter how much they say Jim Wallace and the rest of them on the religious left say this is God's will and all. I am telling you they are misrepresenting the Bible, and they are misrepresenting the truth, and they are misrepresenting what America is all about. We keep hearing about peaceful protests all the time. Seattle police revealed Wednesday, this week, just Wednesday, day before yesterday, they seized a van loaded with explosives at the protest this last weekend. Investigators discovered pyrotechnic explosives, smoke bombs. They were all bundled together in big bundles. I wrote an article about it, but a picture that Seattle police put out publicly. I put that in my article. You see, I mean, it looks like Vietnam or something. They're using it on any anything and everything that they could get their hands on. They had pepper spray, stun guns, improvised spike strips. And yet, to this day, as, as lately as last night, newscasters are calling it peaceful protests. We need to be informed, not misled. Chief Carmen Best, she's the Seattle police chief, she reminded reporters that 59 officers were injured as a result of the violent riots. That's what she called them. That added the evidence demonstrating, she's not a conservative, I'll tell you. Added that the evidence demonstrates that not everyone that's coming to these protests is peaceful. Those are not peaceful protests. The Black Lives Matter founders, the two women that founded it, say they are trained Marxist. Those are their words, not mine. The protesters with the van moved over to the youth center over the weekend using, they were tossing these incendiary devices as they went, Molotov cocktails, destroying trailers on a construction site. All of this happening, peaceful protests, and they keep using this word. They moved to the East Precinct in Seattle, where they removed the items from the van, distributed them to some waiting accomplices. The items included baseball bats, pyrotechnic explosives, APR respirators, improvised shields, and face face masks, according to the police report. Moments later, there was an explosion that blew an eight-inch hole in the wall of the East Precinct. The police even feared that the van was loaded with bombs set to explode because of the way they abandoned the van. They put it close to a building and then took off. Mayor Jenny Durkin has been trying to lead from behind on these peaceful demonstrations. Months ago, she's finally dropped her summer of love description of the peaceful events, and now she's saying with a real strong little voice, Acts of destruction, violence, and hateful speech, none of that gets us where we need to be. It's not just a distraction, she says. It undermines the central message and the actions we want to take as a city. Good grief. What is their central message? Durkin's message only changed from summer of love to this has got to be stopped right now after the mob targeted her 
her personal home a couple of weeks ago. And I don't advocate for that at all, but we got to get real. She's slowly coming around to, well, maybe these privately thinking, I'm sure, these aren't real peaceful. A five-year-old could look at what's going on and say, hey, mommy and daddy, these aren't peaceful. Joe Biden has been calling the violent anarchists attacking police and federal property in Portland, Seattle, peaceful protests. He said it again and again. I've been watching what he says. In fact, he said just on Twitter, just yesterday, he said, we have a president who is determined to to sow chaos and division, to make matters worse instead of better. We all remember the appalling scenes in front of the White House when peaceful protests Protesters were gassed to make way for a Trump photo op. That's He's talking about when Trump walked across the street to that church and held up a Bible and so on. Now Homeland Security agents, Joe Biden says, without a clearly defined mandate or authority, are ranging far from federal property, stripping of badges, insignia, and identifying mark- markings to detain people. They are brutally attacking peaceful protesters including a U.S. Navy veteran. And of course, the U.S. government has the right and duty to protect federal property. This is Joe Biden on Twitter. He said the Obama-Biden uh, administration protected federal property across the country without resorting to these egregious tactics and without trying to stoke the fires of division in this country. We need a president. <laughs> that would, of course, be him. We need a president who will bring us together instead of tear us apart, calm instead of inflamed and enforce the law faithfully rather than put his political interests first. Well, it's interesting that Biden would say that because he spent nearly 50 years, 40-some years, in elected office. Donald Trump has gone out and made a fortune on his own as a businessman, not a politician, came and ran and is in this whole cauldron of politics. Probably it's costing him money as far as his net worth. I don't know. But I would guess it is. And Biden has been this career politician who's now who's now making these kinds of distinctions. See, that's the that's why it's so misleading in the culture today. Actually, the Obama Biden administration had a long history of endorsing violent protest movements. Remember the Occupy Wall Street? It was like this. I mean, not to this extent, but it was very similar. Even Black Lives Matter back some years ago when they were first surfacing. They were doing this kind of stuff, and Biden and Obama were cheering them on. They weren't trying to rein in the riots and all that stuff that was going on. The Occupy movement had the same elements. Yesterday, Biden, like Durkin, he began walking back a little bit what he had said just a few hours after he had said it. But in Biden's case, it was his political aspirations. That could be destroyed. So all of these people, they're not acting on principle. They're acting on expediency for their political goals and their political plans. Well, I'll tell you, rebellion is not merely a reaction of anger or outreach. Rebellion, and that's what we're seeing in the streets of America today. Rebellion, according to the Bible, is equated to witchcraft. It's serious stuff, and that's what we're seeing. People taking a stand, ultimately, 
against God for evil. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Have a great weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday.